Hello, South Kitsap students. This is Ms. Camille, the student assistant professional here at South Kitsap High School. And today I'm going to be talking with you about your self-care options. Now, I wanna make it very clear, this is not an exhaustive list in the sense of there's obviously gonna be a lot more options out there than what I cover today, but I'm gonna to try to cover some overarching themes and just some kind of different categories to think about and recognize that these different categories have different effects on your mental and physical health, and that's gonna be really important. So, one of the things um, that a lot of people don't necessarily know about coping skills, self-care methods, is that um, some are, in, in my mind, and this isn't like a, you know, super technical version, but it's one that's just easy to explain to people. In my mind, there's kind of three categories of self-care options. There is the type of self-care that um, are coping skills that are distractions, right? So they just kind of distract you from what's going on, give you a break from what's going on, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with taking a break. Um, a break can be very useful, but it's not the only type of coping skill out there, nor is it always going to be successful in helping you move forward with whatever you have going on. Um, the other types of coping skills and self-care strategies are about processing, so actually working through whatever the issue is, whether that's, you know, mental, emotional, physical, whether it's, um, you know, your school, number of school assignments or the latest fight you had with, you know, your boyfriend or whatever it is, right? So just kind of processing coping skills. Um, and then the third one is just general, like your health, your overall health. Um, so think about like how you're treating your body, how you're treating your mind, that kind of stuff, um, those types of coping skills. So the first one I'm going to talk about, because it's the one that tends to be the most popular, but it also tends to be one of the least effective over time, is distraction coping skills. So coping skills and self-care strategies that distract you from what the whatever the issue is, whether that's you have 10 missing assignments or whether that's you got in a big fight with your mom or, um, you know, in you do it to make it so that your brain thinks about something else, so that you're focused on something else, so that you're not addressing um, whatever it is that hurt or bothered you. So like I said before, there's absolutely nothing wrong with taking a break. There's nothing wrong with distraction coping skills. The issue comes in is not that you use those or not that you have those, but that they're the ones that you rely on and the, ones, the only ones that you do, right? And so a lot of people, they're... Um, you know, just by accident, right? Because they don't necessarily know that these different categories accomplish very different things. They'll use the vast majority of their coping skills will be distraction type coping skills. And then they wonder why they don't feel better, right? Because they'll feel better in the moment because they're not thinking about it. But the second that moment is over, the second that coping still is not being used and they're kind of coming back to whatever regular life they have, they don't feel better. Um, and that's why is because it's not a solution, right? It's a temporary relief, but not a long-term solution. So uh, distraction coping skills, which you are more than welcome to use, just recognize that they're short-term, um, is things like, you know, watching TikTok videos or watching cute animal videos or going on, you know, YouTube and watching comedians or something. Um, so oftentimes it's about passive consumption. Um, so it can be, you know, things like, 
playing the switch and animal crossing or um you know maybe it's listening to music is one of those weird ones that falls in the middle so i'll just acknowledge that um there's a couple that kind of fall in the middle of these categories kind of depend on how you're going about it and what your attitude is towards it and i'll explain that in a little bit um but basically something where it distracts you from what you have going on and that's all that it accomplishes right it doesn't help you figure out a solution it doesn't help you come to a resolution it doesn't help you heal it just distracts you (laughs) um and so a lot of times you know people will feel bad about their emotions and i will probably do a whole episode about your beliefs and judgments towards your own emotions because that's something that you know is a very serious issue and that it's something that you you a lot of people could really benefit from some support around but that will be for another episode so a lot of times people will judge their emotions they'll be like oh i shouldn't feel this way or oh why do i feel this way or why haven't i gone over it yet or why did it hurt me this much and they'll feel bad about themselves for the fact that they feel a certain way and so then they'll try to push that down they'll push those emotions down because they've convince themselves that they shouldn't feel that way or that they're not allowed to feel that way or that that emotion should have been less extreme or it should have lasted not as long as it did, right? There's all these judgments that we make about our emotions and then we push our emotions down based on those judgments. And so one of the most common um, coping mechanisms for pushing emotion down is to distract themselves, involve themselves in something unrelated to what it is that they are pushing down, right? So avoid it, basically. Um, now that is a completely understandable response. I want to make that very, very clear. It is extremely normal to do that. Um, but we just have to reach a point, you know, at some point in order to move forward and be healthy and not let things, you know, bog us down, um, for, for too long, you know, to realize that, okay, like I've given myself a break. I've given myself that distraction. I've allowed myself to do other things. But at some point, I have to figure out how am I going to heal from this? How am I going to move forward? Um, how am I going to continue to have a healthy life even though this, you know, X, Y, Z upset me? Um, and so that's where processing coping skills come in. So processing coping skills can look like a lot of things. It's not, it doesn't have to be the classic look where you, ta- you know, talk out all your feelings to your best friend. Well, it can most definitely be that. It's not required to be that. And so that's also something that people... Um, will sometimes not recognize is just that they think, oh, well, in order to process my emotions, I have to talk about it to someone and I don't want to do that. So, you know, forget it kind of attitude. Um, But recognize that you can process your emotions and move forward with whatever it is you felt or experienced in more than one way. And talking about it is just one way. It's a healthy way. It's a good way. And it's a way that works for a lot of people, but it doesn't work for everybody and it doesn't work in every situation. And that's completely okay. Um, So there are other ways to process your emotions. So the classic or standard or typical or whatever ones, you know, the ones that people usually think of when it comes to processing emotion is talking to a friend, talking to a family member, talking to a counselor, right? Talking. The other one that people usually think of and one that comes highly recommended by a lot of counselors, including myself, is journaling, right? So say you don't have someone in your life that you want to have that conversation with. Sometimes you need to process how you feel and what happened and how it affected you, but you don't necessarily want other people to know about it. And that's completely okay. And so that's why um, journaling can be such a common recommendation, why it's one that I tend to include when I'm teaching people about how to take care of themselves 
ourselves is you are allowed to feel how you feel. You're allowed to experience things how you experience them. It is okay. You don't have to feel bad about something hurting your feelings or making you angry or making you feel confused or whatever it was. Like you don't have to be ashamed of that. What's important is that you process it, right? That you find a way to to kind of digest it, if you will, and then move past it at some point. So another thing too is that healing takes time. It takes time and it takes as much time as it takes, right? No one has the right to tell you when you're supposed to be done with something. So that's really, really important when it comes to mental health is we want to have that balance between not getting stuck, right? So we don't want to just sit and stew in our negative emotions and negative feelings forever, right? Just on and on and on feeling bad about it and then nothing happening. We don't want that, but we also don't want to force ourselves to feel differently because that doesn't work. You can't force yourself to feel, you know, differently than how you feel. That's not, that's not how emotions work. You know, they're not something that you can just kind of beat into submission. And so you have to recognize that they need their space to breathe. They need their space to be processed, to be experienced, and then you move forward. And that process can be whatever it is, right? Some people it's you know, 30 minutes, some people it's a month, some people it's years, right? Like it doesn't matter as long as you are taking care of yourself and you are being honest with yourself about what you need and why you need it and what's going to help you heal from this. Healing is a very personal process and it's not one that other people should be dictating to you what that looks like. You know, a big part of mental health is learning to accept yourself and your experiences um, and not letting other people kind of take that away from you. So processing your emotions, you can talk, you can journal. Um, One of the things that helps with journaling or that journaling helps, I should say, is that it helps you recognize when you're stuck, right? Sometimes we get stuck on things and we don't, even though we're experiencing experiencing our brain or our heart, focusing on it over and over and over again, we don't necessarily register just how stuck we are. And so journaling stuff out, right, like writing stuff out can help us recognize how stuck we are because our writing starts to get very repetitive. And they're like, wow, I wrote about this 10 times. Like, maybe there's something else I can be doing to help myself heal and move forward from this. So journaling can help you identify those things. It can help you identify patterns. It can help you identify when you're getting overly fixated on something. It can help you express any kind of thoughts or emotions that you have about those things. A lot of times why people avoid talking to other people about how they feel and what happened is because they feel ashamed or they feel embarrassed or they're like, oh, well, it's stupid. So I don't want other people to know because I don't want them to judge me. Well, journaling takes that away, right? There is no judgment in journaling. So it can sound as repetitive, as dumb, as, you know, nonsensical as it needs to, right? It's a completely free and open platform where judgment is left at the door. And the only judgment that you have to deal with is your own. And it kind of teaches you through the experience to deal with your own judgment because you're going to notice it, right? If you're calling yourself names, if you're throwing judgments at yourself while you're writing, you're going to notice that and it's going to help you think, okay, well, maybe there are other ways for me to think about this. Maybe there are other things that I could be telling myself that I could be saying to myself versus these judgments. And so it helps you kind of reflect on how not only how you experienced something and how you absorb something, but also how you talked 
to yourself about that thing. And that insight can be extremely useful because it can allow you to kind of come up with other ways to be kinder to yourself and to be more compassionate to yourself and to give yourself more grace. And those things are very important, right? You deserve your own kindness. You deserve your own compassion. You are allowed to be kind to yourself and you're allowed to recognize that just because you feel a way that you don't want to feel doesn't mean that you messed up or that you're a failure or that you're dumb. None of those things, you know, emotion of every kind is natural. It's natural. Like being angry, being upset, being confused, feeling ashamed, feeling guilty, feeling overwhelmed, right? Feeling sad, feeling like I don't even know how to describe this feeling. Those are all natural, just as joy is natural, just as, you know, feeling happy and feeling rejuvenated and feeling loved and feeling like you matter and feeling you know, like you're accomplished and being proud of yourself, right? All of those feelings, whether one extreme or the other, they are all natural and you are completely and totally allowed to experience them. And so journaling really helps you kind of give those emotions room to breathe, which can be very beneficial. Now, those are the classic ways, right? Talking to other people or talking just to yourself through a physical medium. The other thing that you can do to process emotions and not talk about it, right, which is something that can appeal to a lot of people for a lot of reasons, whether it's just your quote unquote personality, whether it's how you've been raised and you're taught not to talk about things, whether, you know, you're just not ready to talk about it, but you still have a lot of emotion around it. So you need something, right? There's all these reasons why we don't talk about things. Um, So some of those processing coping skills that don't require that you fully talk about it is things like music, where music is, like I said in the beginning, one of those middle grounds. So sometimes it's just there to distract you. Sometimes you put it on and so your brain thinks about something else. But sometimes engaging with music can allow you to process your emotions because you can kind of sync up, right? So maybe you're somebody who you're dealing with a lot of irritation and anger right now and you don't necessarily know why or maybe you do know why but you're just having a really hard time feeling just irritated and just like like fed up or whatever it is well you can listen to music that expresses how you feel and engage with music that expresses how you feel and that can serve as an outlet because even though you're not telling your story you're not talking about your experience you're still expending that energy of that emotion so a lot of times you know uh, singing to or playing instruments or dancing or however it is that you engage with music if you engage with music that is in line with how you're feeling that can actually create an emotional release for you and can allow you to recognize that it's okay that I feel this way and this is what I'm going through right now and that's you know that's fine right that's fine you're allowed to feel things um and so music can really serve as that platform to kind of express it without expressing it. Like uh, let that emotion out without, you know, giving the play by play as to why that emotion was there. Um, Another way to process emotion is through physical activity. So the thing to understand about emotion is emotion has energy, right? And usually it has physical energy. I would say almost almost all the time. It has some type of physical energy. I'm not talking about like bouncing off the walls energy. I'm talking about it affects your body in a physical way somehow type of energy. 
where something is going on with you physically that is in line with what's going on with you mentally and emotionally. That's how the body works. It's deeply, deeply interconnected. So you can use that to your advantage. If you are feeling frustrated, overwhelmed, angry, confused, lost, you know, if you're having those negative emotions and you don't know where to go with them, you don't know what to do with them and you don't want to talk about them, you can engage in physical activity and exert that energy onto something else and that can help you feel better. You know, needless to say, it'll also release endorphins, right? So release chemicals in your brain that help you process the stress in your body and in your brain. So there's kind of a double whammy that goes on there. Um, so, you know, maybe you're, I don't know, mad at your stepdad or something, just a random example, and you don't know how to process it because you don't feel safe talking about it. And you're worried that if you do talk about it, you're going to get in trouble. Okay, well, then you can go out and, you know, go on an exhausting hike where you have to like really exert yourself in order to get up there or you can play volleyball and hit that ball extra hard right or you can play basketball and you know go for the three-pointer or whatever it is but you have all these options in which you can kind of physically apply yourself that can create emotional release because you're getting that energy out of your system and that can be really beneficial it can also get you to a place where you're ready to talk about it whether in a journal privately or to somebody that you feel that you can trust Um, a lot of times there's processing that can go on during that physical activity that can help you make headway in how to move forward with what you're dealing with So those are just some options for processing coping skills. I mean, obviously, everybody's different, right? And everybody has their own strengths and weaknesses and preferences and all of these things. So you are allowed to focus on, you know, the ones that work for you. Um, But I would encourage you that if you tend to focus on one type and only one type, just recognize that that type isn't going to always work. And so the diversity of types of coping skills that you're using is really important. Um, so the last one is kind of your physical health, right? So all of these, of course, are going to have overlapping examples, um, including this one, but physical health is really important because it affects your mental health so, 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 so much. It affects your mental health so much more than any of us could ever understand. And so when you, make the conscious and deliberate effort to focus your self-care efforts on your physical health in some way, you are going to have an impact on your mental and emotional health. Just, it, it, it just are. Um, and so there are a lot of ways to take care of yourself physically. That can be in the type of drinks that you drink, whether you're staying hydrated and drinking water, whether you're drinking tea in order to help yourself calm down. Maybe you're somebody who struggles with anxiety. Um, you know, hot beverages can be very soothing. And so they can help you kind of relax your nervous system and help you with um, if you struggle with anxiousness, um, you know, stuff like that. So you can use just what you eat and what you drink um, to help you feel better. If you really struggle with focus, um, you know, there's kind of this idea that if you eat a lot of carbs and eat a lot of sugar and eat a lot of processed food, those do not help with focus. So if you're somebody who really struggles with focus, well, maybe think about what kind of foods are available to me that have nutrients, whether that's, um, you know, high protein, uh, usually protein can kind of do the opposite and can help you with focus and help your body have more energy, um, 
or just high, you know, nutrients like in vegetables and stuff like that. Um, but that's something to pay attention to is like even just eating, um, you know, maybe you're somebody who easily skips meals or neglects meals and maybe, you know, you having a snack is going to make the difference between being grumpy that entire class and actually feeling okay during that entire class. Like, you know, being hangry is a very real thing that people joke about for a reason, right? Your mood will shift if your body doesn't feel like it's getting the nutrients that it needs. And so checking your basics is crucial to your mental and emotional health, is crucial to your level of performance. You need to drink water. You need to eat food that provides nutrients and not just processed and sugar and carbs, um, you know, stuff like that. You also can attend to your physical health through making sure that your basic needs are met with your hygiene. Did you brush your hair? Did you brush your teeth? Did you floss? Did you take a shower? Right? Did you um, do something besides sit for, you know, 10, 12, 16 hours a day or whatever it is? Like, did you walk around? Did you get any kind of physical activity, even if it was for five minutes? Um, you know, stuff like that. You, you need to attend to your physical health because that is going to have an impact on every single area of your life not just your schooling, not just your mood, but also like your social life, right? Like how you interact with people, when you interact with people, how well you sleep. Um, you know, your sleep hygiene is a huge one, right? So do you have good sleep hygiene? Do you have good sleep habits? Um, that can be, you know, your routine before bed, your routine getting out of bed. Um, that can be how long you spend on technology before you go to sleep. It can also be, you know, how recently did you consume food before you went to bed? So some people's bodies are really sensitive towards that kind of stuff where, you know, if they eat even an hour or two hours before bed, they don't sleep very well or it's much harder for them to go to bed. And so they have to pay attention to the amount of time in between their last meal and when they go to bed in order to get a good night's sleep. So if you're somebody who struggles with sleep, um, there are a lot of different ways to kind of approach that subject. And if you want more uh, support around that, you are welcome to reach out to me. But those are just some of the categories of self-care. So we talked about kind of the distraction coping skills, which short term are not a problem. You are welcome to take a break from whatever you got going on in life. Um, just make sure that that's not the only thing you're doing to take care of yourself. We talked about processing coping skills. So recognizing that your emotions need to breathe, recognizing that your emotions you know, kind of have an energy to them, though they don't kind of, they do have an energy to them and that can really impact you. Um, so you need to, you know, do your due diligence in some ways and make sure that you're finding ways to process those emotions. And then we talked about just basic health, self-care, physical health, self-care, and how much of an impact that has on your mental health and your emotions. So if you need help with different ideas, because you know, those kind of covered, we covered some ideas on how to take care of yourself in those categories. There's also taking care of yourself socially, right? So maybe um, you're somebody that when you isolate for too long, you start getting really negative and really down and stuff like that. And obviously we can't control how much we're able to see people because these strange times, you know, we have to deal with quarantine and, and COVID and all of that, but you can control how much you reach out to people um, just in conversation, right? So, so through text message or email or video chat or um, phone calls or, right? And so maybe you are spending way too much time on a screen and 
being around screens really irritates you because you're on Zoom all day. Okay, well then don't Zoom, but you can call people on the phone. You can write people letters, right? You can like do things that still um, respect social distancing and people's choices around social distancing and also stay connected. So you can consider, you know, what am I doing for my social health? Have I reached out to people if I need help or need attention to feel better? You know, have I checked in on people that I care about? So there's that whole component too. Social health isn't just about you. It's also about the welfare of the people that you care about. And so um, how well you treat others can really affect not just the quality of that relationship, but also your own mental health. And so maybe what you need in that moment isn't to be so focused on what's going on with you. Maybe you need a breather and kind of a break and you need to focus on being there for other people just for a, you know a little while a minute or two whatever it is um, and that can actually have a really positive impact on your own health in some ways with within moderation of course right everything everything in life is within moderation and so it's something to consider um, you know a lot of us tend to lean pretty heavy one way or the other in that subject like we tend to focus a lot of our time and energy on people and what's going on with other people or very little. Um, and finding that middle ground tends to be pretty difficult for people. Um, so obviously, if you're somebody who already spends a lot of time on other people, you know, maybe you need to be more diligent about spending time on yourself and spending time with yourself and investing in you. Um, so obviously, you're the one who knows what your life looks like. You're the one who knows what you need. But I'm just giving examples. You know, another um, example, which I obviously will say very little about, you know, due to being a professional environment, but your spirituality, right? Your spiritual health. So whatever that is to you, whatever that looks like, whatever, whatever it is, um, consider, you know, in these times, especially with uh, how strange the world is, you know, if, if that is a part of your life, what are you doing to take care of yourself in that way? What does that look like? Are you engaging in spiritual practices um, that comfort you and that help you process what you're going through and help you handle kind of the condition of the world right now? And so that's just one area of your life that you can kind of pay attention to and see, you know, am I taking care of myself in this way or am I neglecting this part of myself and what can I do to uh, change that? So that is obviously something considerably more personal that we won't um, talk about here on this podcast, but it's something to consider. And so, yeah, I think I covered just about everything. Obviously, there is tons and tons and tons of options out there for self-care, you know, whether it's through art or physical activity or socializing or spirituality or um, you know, hygiene and stuff like that, sleeping, right? Um, everything, of course, within moderation, but you have so many options out there for how to take care of yourself and a crazy amount, to be honest with you. So I think what's really important to take away from this episode is just to recognize that try not to focus all of your attention on just what your default setting is. There's nothing wrong with having a default. Maybe your default is socializing, like, oh, to feel better, I have to be around my friends. Or maybe your default is, oh, to feel better, I have to, you know, watch the latest crime show or something, right? You are totally allowed to have preferences and defaults, but just recognize that your default isn't going to work for every situation and every problem, especially if you've been doing that default excessively. 
You need to create that variety and you need to pay attention to the fact that you're a well-rounded person with well-rounded needs. And, you know, you have a full life that deserves your attention. And so you can do other things besides your default setting to take care of yourself. And it's very important to do other things besides your default setting to take care of yourself. So I hope that was helpful. Um, thank you so much for listening. If you want to have further conversations about this, or if you need help kind of creating a list around uh, your self-care options, you are welcome to reach out to me. Um, this podcast is to support you guys at South Kidsap, and I am available Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 4 p.m., and I will include my office hours, my work email, and my work phone number down in the description. So, you know, if you're a South Kidsap student and you you know, whether short-term or long-term want some additional support, you're welcome to reach out to me. Um, but yeah, I also, you know, just as a last note, I encourage you um, to make a list of some kind and make that list readily available f- for you. So if you're not somebody who likes paper stuff or wants paper stuff, then put that list on your phone, but have something to reference. Um, whereas these are my options to take care of myself. These are things that I'm willing to do or willing to try. Um, to take care of myself. That's kind of my last little tidbit before I let you guys go. So thank you so much for your time and I'm sure you'll hear from me soon. Take care. Bye.